There's the whistle. Second half, my three subs action from the Center Circle Studios. Joining me on this My Three Subs podcast is a guy that typically belongs to the group of people that you normally would love to hate, match officials. But I think at the end of this chat, I think there's a good chance that, and it's my hope, that you would actually love this guy. Let's uh, talk to a guy that has uh, started from the very grassroots of soccer and worked his way up into the professional ranks as a match official. But the story even before that is probably even more compelling. And we say hello to Steve Iridog. Steve, welcome to the podcast. I noticed you have your yellow card in your front pocket. I hope the introduction was good enough that you don't have to go to the book so early in this conversation. No, you're good. Okay, okay. All right. How are you doing today? I am great. Thanks for asking. It is, it is, it's awesome to have you here. I've known you for quite some time, and I can't wait to, to share your soccer story with everybody else. And, I, and I've known you from, from playing on the local field, and, I, and I've seen you and just proudly been watching as you continue to progress through the officiating ranks from uh, the professional level. And I know you do everything basically all the way down to the juice box under nine leagues. Um, but your story doesn't start in Memphis. It actually starts thousands of miles from here. What, hey, who are you? Where are you from? What is, what is your story, Steve? Um, well, I was born in Caracas, Venezuela. Uh, came to the United States in about, I think it was 2001, June 2001. I uh, sniffed that the situation in my country wasn't all that great, unfortunately for us. And I decided to come abroad. Came home, or came, what, now it's home to Memphis uh, with a two-week, you know, old marriage, two suitcases, a couple thousand dollars in my pocket, and a lot of hope. Wait a second. A two-week-old marriage. Now, did your wife know of the intent to move to the United States? Was this something you guys planned, or uh, one day did you just say, you know what, it's time to move north. Let's chase our dreams up there. Yes, we actually planned it. Uh, it was a really quick plan, though. There was something going on uh, politically and socially in my country. And then one day we were in our living room and I said, I'm done with this. Let's get out of here. And we did. Was it hard to convince her? Was she was she on board from the get go? Yes, she was on board. Good, good. Now you get you get to the United States and do you have a network of family or friends my here. yes, my my aunt lives here. Okay, and and so your your first stop was here in Memphis, or yes. What happened was that like a whole lot of Hispanics or you know South Americans, you know, we end up in Miami at some point, and my family figured out that I was there, you know, a couple of weeks, and then she said, "Hey, why don't you come over here to Memphis? We have a family-owned business. You can start working with me." And I have a place for you to stay while you get your feet wet and all that. And then I came, you know, two weeks later, I was here in the, I was here in Memphis. That's incredible. Steve, every official that I've ever met, as much heat as they take, has to, I, I found that there's such a love for the sport of soccer, for, for, for football. Um, and we jumped right from your marriage to coming to the United States. But let's step back just a little bit to your childhood. Was was that something that you, you loved to play? I know Venezuela has, has loves soccer, baseball. Is there any is there anything else I'm missing? What 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 was your love or loves of, of sport growing up? Uh, actually, Venezuela is the only country in South America that has never qualified for the World Cup. So we're not we weren't pretty big soccer people. Uh, as a matter of fact, 17% of Major League Baseball are composed of Venezuelan players. So I was the the skinny kid that couldn't bat past second base. So I decided to play soccer. And, 
that's how I ended up playing in the adult league, and that's where I met you in playing in the adult league here in Memphis. So who were your sports heroes growing up? Uh, sports hero Omar Vizquel, shortstop for the Cleveland Indians and the Leones del Caracas, my my local team in my city. Didn't Omar go like two or three years without making an error? That guy was a, he was a vacuum in the late nineties uh, for Cleveland. Twelve, twelve consecutive years winning the Golden Glove. Yeah, yeah, something. So why weren't you a goalkeeper then? <laughs> Just blessed with the, blessed with the feet. I don't know. I mean, I was a midfielder, and that's what I liked. Yeah. So. So you, you got hooked up with the local league, played here for, for uh, several, several years. When did you decide that you wanted to get on the other side of the, the whistle? When I needed the money. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I was going through divorce, and uh, there was a lot of stuff going on in my life. And I said there was a link in, the, in, our, in our adult league that said, become a referee. And I said, oh, maybe this is a cool thing. And it turned out to be that I was pretty good at it. So here I am. So you were still going out to the fields, but instead you were getting paid to do it. And yelled at, yes. Walk us through that transition, because you've played for several years in the local leagues, and then all of a sudden, I guess, are you sitting in a classroom, or are you reading a, 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 a Laws of the Game study guide? How, does, how do you go about getting that first chance to be a referee? All that. Uh, it was... Well, back in that time, it was a whole weekend course, eight hours a day for three days in a row, uh, where you had um, uh, class sessions and on-field sessions, and you discuss the loss of the game, and what do you do in certain scenarios, and when do you raise the flag when you're an AR, and how do you blow the whistle, and when do you blow the whistle, and... You know, this guy's things like offside, like, you know, yellow cards, red cards, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I, having played against you a couple of dozen times, I know for a fact you know what offsides is. Yes. You, you spent a lot of time in that position. I was, a, a, I, I, well, I never, I, I was <laughs> never, quote unquote, never offside. But now looking at it from, from the other's perspective, I think that I could agree that I was wrong a bunch of times. But in all fairness, all you have to do is, is slip uh, and get away with it one time. Uh, yes, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so you go through the classes and you get through with that. How long did that take? It was it just that weekend, uh, for just to get certified. Yes. Okay. All right. And at that point, do they drop you into the shark infested waters of youth soccer? Uh, correct. So <laughs> what happened is like, you go, Hey, here's your batch. Here's, you know, you buy your uniforms and congratulations. You're now a referee. But the real learning actually comes when you start officiating matches. And, you know, you start with the little kids first, and then you gradually, you know, go up and start um, officiating higher ages. And then you get to the adult league, and then you start doing other things. And little do you know, next thing you know, you're in front of 10,000 people refereeing a game. So That's incredible. Tell us about, and everybody says they remember their first time. Can you tell us, what do you remember about your first game, or was that just a, a blur officiating? Uh, quite honestly, I did not start with the youth games. I actually jumped straight to adult league because I had played on the league for several, several years, so I was actually more comfortable refereeing adults than refereeing youth. Um, and it always has been the case. As a matter of fact, I am not really good at refereeing kids, um, I feel much more within, much more comfortable within my skin when I'm refereeing adults. 
Really? I would I would think that you would be a fantastic youth referee because you're tall, you exude authority, and and quite frankly, if I'm a, if I'm a if I'm a four foot tall kid, I'm intimidated. I well, mean, that, that's exactly that's exactly why sometimes it could not play to your advantage because you overpower people. So you know, a lot of times uh, that might not be a good thing because you tend to be a little bit too harsh. Steve Eordog joins us on the program today. He is a match official, and uh, he is uh, qualified to officiate on many levels. We're, we're talking about the youth sports, and we're going to work our way up here, gradually up up to the professional level to talk about that. So uh, you said no, not so much on youth, but on, on the amateur side, the adult amateur amateur side. Did you, did you, did you get ro- dropped right away into the – referee spot or did you spend a little bit of time as an assistant referee no the first season is you usually just do all assistant referees you don't you don't normally touch a you know you don't normally touch a whistle until like your second season okay okay and how how is it for a new guy such as yourself you're not new to the game but you're new to officiating how is it in learning the game are you paired up with a veteran referee or is it pretty much the luck of the draw throughout the week on who's available where, where does your growth come from as an as an assistant referee and where who do you mirror who do you imitate uh, to become uh, a center official at some point uh to be honest with you it has changed a lot over the years um nowadays we have Im- implemented a few uh like regional schools or uh, academies to bring up some new referees. But back when I started, it was much more just go at it and and just mimic other people, you know, and then you would learn by experience. Yes, the class will teach you a lot, but where the real learning begins is when you start doing it over and over and over again and make some mistakes along the way. But um, nowadays which is something that we can probably talk about later. Um, we've developed into uh, the state of Tennessee having a referee academy for younger referees so we can bring him up. Uh, and I was actually a part of it at some point you know, during last year. So That first year, you said that you were working as an assistant referee. During that first year, what were you maybe the most proud of in your development? And what was probably the worst thing that happened that first year? Well, the worst thing that happened probably was blowing a bunch of calls here and there. <laughs> you know, I can't picture one, but, uh, you know, you in your mind, it's always perfect. But when you actually see yourself and, like, take a look from the background, you're like, yeah, I was probably shouldn't have done that or probably shouldn't have done this or probably could have done this a whole lot better. Um, but... Quite honestly, the proudest moment was just being out there. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're not a guy that does any jawing of any significance on the field as a player, but I'm pretty sure you probably got jawed at as an assistant referee. And one thing you did as a player is is you will give it back if it's given to you. You're not an instigator. Um, how was that getting it and kind of having to just suck it up, Buttercup? Um, you know, I will tell you this. on a, On general note – Refereeing is just a very thankless job. Um, I'm, I'm trying how to say this. Um, I understand that uh, 
yes, the referees have, you know, it's a human element of the game that we make mistakes, sure. but you want to try to minimize that as much as possible. Yeah. Did you have uh, mentors or did you find somebody in the first year or, or so, and I'm sure probably even to this day, that you look up to as somebody that is a good man manager or I guess in a better sense player manager because I'm sure you also did yeah, co-ed sports as well. Did you have an, uh, an official that you looked up to that's like, you know what, they do a good job of diffusing a situation. I, I need to take a look at this person. Uh, initially, yes, a lot. Uh, and as a matter of fact, the more and more and more I grew within my referee career, uh, my mentors were my peers. So, uh, I mean, so for example, I would say I, look, I watch a lot of the EPL or Spanish La Liga and then zoomed in on a lot of the higher, you know, the higher referees and try to mimic stuff that they did and what did work for them and what did not work for them, management styles. Um, I mean, I can name you a few, but uh, I did have, you know, a couple of, couple of favorite referees that I followed along I didn't care which game they were refereeing as long as I was not I was not tuning into the game to watch the teams. I was actually tuning into the game to watch the referee's performance and what did that person do that worked so well for them. Is it a different game to watch if you're watching the movements of that center referee as compared to the players? 100%. Yeah. 100%. It's night and day. Um, you start you stop seeing uh Team A against Team B, you start seeing colors and numbers, and 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 it just it just it's a totally different uh, out out you know it's a totally v- different view of the game uh, when you're walking when you're watching it from the referee's perspective. How is it? You get into becoming a center referee. You you get some matches. I guess I should just say referee because there's referee, assistant referee, and fourth official, and I guess VAR, which you're uh, in some leagues. But as referee, you get in there and that perspective. It's got to be a little surreal after a guy that played midfield and is used to receiving the ball, and you see this guy with the ball. It's like, I know what he should do with it, but i got to keep my mouth shut. i got to focus on the match. It's got to be just surreal to be in there for the first time or for the first year and getting that brand-new perspective. Um, yeah, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to set up filters uh, on, like, what can you, you can say or what you cannot say or what you should say or what you shouldn't say. Um, nobody likes to be talked back, you know, especially by a match match official. Um, however, there are things that you can do in order because, you know, think about this. This is managing people. This is I'm not, you know, it, when it comes to amateur sports and and you know lower division lower division amateur leagues, uh, there's not a whole lot of skill that you have to manage. It's much more managing people the the people aspect of it. Uh, so, you know, you got to find out to, to how can I get through to these people in a way that is respectful enough and that way that they can listen to me and I can accomplish uh, them not doing something that I do not for want them that I do not want them to do. Does that make sense? Yes. Yes. So you try to I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'll let you explain this. You do you try to explain to them ways that not to not to give them favor but ways to keep them on the pitch essentially uh i'm not saying okay they somebody goes in studs up you're going to give them grace on that i'm not saying that but if somebody's persistent infringement or maybe they're starting to jaw a little bit is that when you kind of take the reins and say okay you know you're getting close here um quite honestly you know you, you depends so 
let me put it this way. Your your foul selection is going to be equally as good as your man management on the field. So let me there there's another thing to it. You cannot ref a U9 a U9 game the same way that you're going to ref your local professional match. It just it's not the same, right? Um and, and and on the same side of that, you will not do that. You know, you you cannot ref the same way on a division two co-ed match, right? So your management styles have to be different, right? You cannot say, you know, to a thirteen-year-old young lady, uh, the same thing that you're going to say to a professional division two, division two player. And I right? take it you mean it, you're not using inappropriate language. You're what you're saying is. The way you instruct them would just simply be different because of perhaps the the level and the experience that the older players, the Division Two co-ed players, may have versus a middle school teenager or preteen. You get correct. So, so a lot of times you're much more being instructional. You're trying to not coach them because you're not supposed to coach them, but much more. Uh, enforcing the laws of the game in a way that they they say okay, um, they they get it right rather than if you are and the, the higher the skill level is like no they get it now you have to actually enforce things and I'm not have to explain anything because you're getting paid to do this right right uh, Steve Irodog joins us this, uh, on this podcast and Steve. Uh, let's talk more about your progression. We go upward and upward, and you're talking about adult amateur. But I, I, the next step for you, was that the PDL? Did you begin officiating in PDL next, or, or, or was maybe college next? I started, I started college next. Uh, after, so after I, I gradually went up and started doing adults, and then you know the higher, the higher youth matches, uh, then I was selected to start, um, or I got invited to start refereeing college. Uh, and then from there, uh, lower level, uh, I'm going to say semi-professional leagues, okay. right? Um, and then all the way up to like second division professional. That's uh, that, that's a, and, and this happened over a fairly short span of, of time, right? I mean, about, it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a year or two, but I mean, it, what, has this been in like a five, six year span? Uh, about, yeah, about five to six years. Yeah. Okay. And all the while, I, I assume that there's been quite a bit of investment in time. For yes. you, uh, also in energy, staying in, in, in match miles fitness, driven, miles driven, um, and money also spent, in, and money invested in uniforms. In fact, let's just let's just let's pause for a second. I want to ask you about this, Steve, because you've talked about all of these divisions from from youth to uh, I guess high school to college to semi professional to uh, professional leagues. Each league not only has its own standard of dress. But each league has its own interpretation of the laws of the game, and from what what it sounds like is you may do multiple matches in a week on different levels. How in the world do you keep up with all of the laws of the game for the appropriate match? Um, I'm going to give you a scenario. You can go fr- on Friday referee a high school game, and on Saturday referee a amateur game and then on Sunday referee a college game and all three of those games have completely different rules and you wear different uniforms you wear different badges you get paid differently uh there's different scenarios on all three of the matches and then three consecutive days 
And then on Monday, I guess you get a bag of ice and put it on your legs. Pretty much, yes. <laughs> do you ever wear a pedometer? Do you ever you ever sort out how far you've run or how many steps? Or my, could you guesstimate? My, yes, my watch actually has a GPS and, oh, on excuse it. Excuse me, Mr. Yeah. Fancy Man. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Professional Referee, I forgot about that. I guess you do need that. So yeah. how much would you put in as a center? Uh, depends on the match. I can go, let's say, on a good division one college game uh that it goes all the way to two overtimes i can probably run anywhere from seven to eight miles um on a u9 half field i'll probably put half a mile so so it's 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 real it's relative to how the game the game dictates how far do you go now the most distance i've covered in a game has been like eight and a half miles and it was a 120 minute game the stadium was huge um and the teams were really, really, really good. So. And you have to hustle uh, to get into the right position to make the correct call so that you don't catch heat for being out of position. So correct. there's 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 pressure in covering the appropriate distance, I, I, I'm sure. So you've done some, some professional this year, but you had a physical setback, too. You could have probably done more, right? I did. Uh, I had a torn ACL, uh, and I was out for six months, um, or five, five and a half months. Um I was actually assigned to one game as a referee on a second division professional game, and I had to decline it because I had knee surgery that in February. Oh, wow! Uh, but you're back. You're back now, and you're at least doing fourth official, correct? Yeah, uh, at that level, yes. Okay. Okay. Are level, you doing yes. any center work at any other division at this? Yes, point? Uh, Division One college, uh, semi-professional leagues, um, Division Two and Three college. Uh, in amateur, back in amateurs as well. So, Steve, you you get you get married two weeks later. You come to the United States. You have dreams. So, let me ask you this, because you've gone from playing, and just a few years later, you find yourself on a pitch with you know ten thousand plus people as an official reaching your goals. What is your dream with this? Right now, I mean, uh, priorities are shifting. Uh, Back, I'm 39 years old at, at the moment, and uh, if you would have asked me that same question five years ago, I probably would have told you that I wanted to be a professional referee. Um, if you ask me today, um, much more, I still want to have fun with the games, uh, which I really enjoy the higher, you know, the higher the level, the higher level stuff. Uh, but let's be realistic. What is know. it about the higher level stuff? Let me stop you if you don't mind. Ask you what's it about the higher level stuff? Is it the pressure? Do the you, drums. Do you like the pressure? I like the drums. Yeah. You know, yeah, the supporter section. You know that it gives you that extra boost whenever you're on the field and you can't hear anything, and you know you you start hearing the people chant, chanting and playing those drums. You know, when you're on the field, there's no feeling like that. Because everybody that's there is happy to be there, right? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, at that point. Uh, the things that I do not like about refereeing, say, you know, the the fan abuse or, you know, parents abuse, all that stuff, it just becomes white noise because you can't hear anything. It's it's, it's at that point, it's just you hear a crowd. So so your life goal on, on officiating, at least, has changed a little bit, but it sounds like you're you're thrilled at the fact that it offers you some flexibility, some extra pay, and the opportunity to still work in the game at a high level. Yes, I mean it's still it's still an adrenaline rush. Uh, whenever you're on them in, the, in that good game, um, there's just you know there, it's a different adrenaline rush than what you get when you're a player. But 
uh, you're not competing against team A or team B, you're competing against yourself. And the reason is that you want to do the best job possible. So that way, team A and team B can decide the game and not you. You know, before we go, I got a note here, and I, and I forgot, I totally forgot to ask you this. This is one of our last questions is, if you were asked to referee and you had to say, no, I can't do that because that's my favorite team, which match would you not be able to referee anywhere in the world? The Clásico, Barcelona-Real Madrid. <laughs> I, I take it you're a Barcelona fan. Yes, yeah. I am. Yeah. Have you? What's the biggest match you've ever been to as a fan? Or I've been to a couple of MLS games yeah. and uh, – uh, second division. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. A, uh, a first division professional game in Chile. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. I bet the atmosphere there was off the chain. It was too. great. It was yeah. awesome. Steve, can't thank you enough for joining us today. Appreciate you sharing your personal story. That is powerful. Um, if people can't get inspired about you just picking up, coming to the United States, making a great life for yourself, and keeping your dreams, and then having new dreams. Uh, I, I don't know what will still Steve. It's been fantastic to have you on, and we will be looking for you uh, on a pitch somewhere, or or on a I guess national TV sometime real soon. Thank you, uh, Tim. I wanted to thank you for uh, growing the culture of the sport of, in our city. Uh, I think that the most, I mean, the more um, people are educated in the sport, the better it is for everyone. And not only that, it opens opportunities for officials, players. Uh, coaches, people like you. So the more the sport grows in the city, the better it is for everyone. So I wanted to thank you. And it, it is a privilege uh, to, to do this podcast and to hang out with you. And, and, and I think, uh, like I've said before, and I'll say it to you, I mean, we're all one big soccer family, and, and the door's always open. And there's always room for one more on the soccer bandwagon to jump on. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. And that's referee Steve Eordog. More next on My Three Subs, a soccer odyssey. I love talking soccer, but I also love talking about real estate, too. And, and people ask me about both a lot. And one of the big questions I get in real estate is, how's the housing market? The housing market looks great, and interest rates are near historical lows. And really, it all comes down to when is the time right for you. If you're ready to make your move, give me a call. Tim Van Horn at Cry Like Realtors. 901-756-8900 is my office number. Brody, can I give him my cell number? Oh, I can? Okay. 901-262-5000. That's my cell phone. You can also go to my website, timvanhorn.com. I can help you with your move around the block, around the city, around the state, and even around the world, too. I have a network of relocation certified agents just ready to help you. They are dying for your business, and I can put you in touch with those. All it takes is pick up the phone, give me a call. 901-756-8900. That's my office number. You can call me at my cell, 901-262-5000. Or just go online. Check me out at timvanhorn.com. That's timvanhorn.com with Cry Like Realtors. This is My Three Subs, a soccer odyssey. And we have added time to the podcast. Did we see what we just saw? I think we got to go under the hood to the VAR. I'm talking Van Horn Assisted Review. Yeah, before we get to Zlatan, I got a little song for you Arsenal fans out there. Uh, granite Xhaka, uh, Granite Xhaka, you, you got booed, you got booed. <laughs> He's our captain, you can't boo him. 
Did, but do you remember how he became the captain of the team? They put little folded pieces of paper yeah. in a box. It was almost like an anonymous voting for a ca- no, Who it's, does that? It's, it's how you basically choose a captain when you're in, like, Little League, you know, and your mom's bringing the orange slices, you know? And you're like, Ma, I'm the captain, so I got to bring the orange slices. Why are you the captain? Because they picked my name out of a hat. You know it's bad when people at Arsenal's Emirates Stadium, which is they went from the Highbury to the library over at the Emirates. Oh, my gosh. When the fans are booing you in the library, you know things have gone bad. But, you know, Unai Emery's probably thinking, whew. Good, they're finally not booing me for a change. But, but <laughs> Yeah, but how is that the only thing you hear? You don't hear them cheer at all because it's like a vacuum. That stadium is a vacuum, right? Except for when they boo, and it's like a freaking, you know, vortex of hate. Whoever designed that was not the same group that designed the Seattle Sounders no, Stadium. Not even close. Not even close. Not even close. So Unai Emery pulls Granite Xhaka, the captain, after 60 minutes. Uh, they were leading 2-0 against Crystal Palace. By the way, nice job screwing the pooch on that. That ended up a 2-2 draw, yeah, that's a, that's a draw in the match. But he got booed. But there, there are photos circulating on the web of his teammates crying that he got pulled off. In fact, some of his teammates actually visited him to do a check <laughs> Just to see if he was okay after not playing the whole match. Come on, man. (laughs) I mean, that's rough. That's brutal. (laughs) But, you know, full credit to him. He got Arsenal in the headlines, so congratulations at least on that. You know, I mean, he did his job, sort of. But I know they've got some big matches coming up, and they're they're trying to crack the the top four. But really, the big thing on VAR, after the match, after the El Trafico playoff match, Carlos Vela, of course, and LAFC beating the LA Galaxy 5-3. to And and Zlatan did score. He scored and got a yellow card in the match, which is so Zlatan. Zlatan of Zlatan. He, I mean, if he's not carded, he's not playing. Exactly. He's not trying hard. He's not trying hard enough. Right. Well, walking off, I guess he got some jeers and and some people popping off to him. Because remember, you know, he said a couple of things about how superior he was to Vela, and also that once he leaves MLS, people will forget MLS. Well, apparently, he got some things in his ear uh, after the match this past uh, weekend. And decided he was going to pull the old baseball move, yeah. adjust the old cup after the match toward the fans. Yeah, I mean he's he's pulling at at uh, private areas and you know obviously jarring back at said fans that were probably giving him an earful. But you know, okay, Zlatan, I, I get it, buddy. You you think you're great, all right, and you are God's gift to the the soccer world, at least here in the states. But the problem is, Zlatan, the MLS did exist before you. Yes, it exists with you. And it will exist after you. You know, the amazing thing out of all this too, Brody, was the fact that he's been such a dynamic player on and off the pitch. He's been great for publicity. Yeah, don't get me wrong. He's perfect for what we need right now. And he's gotten away with near assault on the field with some of the things that he's (laughs) done with with his elbows in some of the matches. So for me, I was a little disappointed and surprised that that was the best that he had at the end of a match where... People are jeering him. I, I thought maybe he'd have something clever to say or, or start shouting back. Not that clever. Okay. I mean, that's the fallback <laughs> for pretty much all the guys is the old cup pull at right. the end of the match. I, I, I thought that, you know, I, I can't believe he went to that default. That, that was, to me, I thought that would have been beneath Zlatan. I, I don't know, though. I mean, okay, don't get me wrong. I think Zlatan is perfect for what we need in the MLS. I mean, and he's the perfect player. MLS has always been that, you know, kind of blue collar, we're going to beat you up while we play. I mean, look at our guys who, uh, when we go to uh, the Cup, right? And all of our MLS players are playing in the Cup. Who are the kind of ground and pound kind of guys? Well, they're MLS players, you know? So he fits right in to that mold, you know? But 
it was a mold before he got here. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it, it's a mold. We have this. Well, I was so, commenting to someone a couple of weeks ago that I was surprised. You know, I thought he always stayed neutral, and they're like, "No, dummy, he's not Swiss. He's Swedish." <laughs> yeah. I forget that. Yeah, he's. I, f- I forget he wears the yellow and blue. But uh, Zlatan, he may have played his last game. We know that Nick Ramondo did in the do other playoff he, game. Do you think he has played his last game though? You know, he's got Italy. Napoli's coming calling, and he, and he may he may want to slide over there and, and get back in Europe. He, or he may just leverage that he, into a better a better dude, designated player deal. I want to stay deal. here. Where are you, king? You're king here. You want to go to like I don't know mid tier over there, or do you want to stay king? That's a good thought. That's, I think that's that a, ego wants to stay king. That's a good thought, Brody. Because I mean, Zlatan score goals in America. Zlatan score goals in now. I'm sounding like Tarzan. Excuse yeah. me. Zlatan <laughs> scores goals. <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. Either place, uh, it'll be fun wherever he's at, and it's definitely he, never I think boring. He stays here. He's got to. I guess we'll find out in just a few months as the uh, MLS season winds down, and and then we'll see what happens in the uh, January transfer window over in Europe. But that's going to do it for today. I want to thank Steve Erdog uh, for coming in and sharing his story. What a great story out of coming out of Venezuela. Just married for two weeks and decides to to flee the country for a better life. Props to the wife. (laughs) She's a saint. Well, notice I asked. You had her permission to do (laughs) this, right? right? Yeah. I do what? (laughs) Amazing. Well, we're just getting started here. Thank you for joining us, and as always, you can catch us online. And big thanks to our sponsors. And and once in a a big shout-out to Financial Wealth Services for coming on board. We've got some other great sponsors that are on the way as well. And, of course, uh, where do we go to find out more? Of course, you can always check us out on our social media pages. We are at My Three Subs Podcast. Well, you can also check it out, us out uh, anywhere you check out your podcast and at 1019kissfm.com. You can also get in touch with us if you want to get in on the action. Shoot us a message via email or on one of our social media accounts. We are at my 3 subs at gmail.com. Thank you. Big thanks to our sponsors and big thanks to you for tuning in, and we will see you again very, very soon. There's the whistle. Thank you for listening. Check out more of My Three Subs podcast, A Soccer Odyssey, at 1019kissfm.com and on the iHeartRadio app. You love new music. New music. We do too. But what new song will walk away with the title Newbie Online? The song you can't get enough of right now is... Two new songs go head-to-head and hope for your vote every week. That's a good song. I like it. Let the champions be heard. For full details, go to 1019kissfm.com. Keyword newbie online. This is a Kiss original on 1019kissfm.